Last week we talked about what it takes to be elite forces, you know, talking about David's mighty men, and, and I, I, I said probably be part two, and so, um, so part two, what it takes to be elite forces, you know, and, and talking about the mighty men of David and, and who they were and what they did and kind of gleaning from some of their, you know, some of their actions and, and, uh, and, you know, kind of how, to, how does it, how can that apply to us and what does it, what does it apply? So just to kind of recap some of the main points from, a couple of the main points from, from the first part was, you know, I, I talked about not letting our, not letting our feelings or our physical ailments incapacitate our resolve, right? And now, I, and, I, and a couple of things I really want to, you know, when I thought about that, I thought, you know, you could, you could take that wrong too, right? And, and, and say, well, I mean, so I'm supposed to ignore, you know, if I have a health issue, I'm supposed to just ignore that. That's not what, that's not what I'm saying, you know. We need to take care of those things, you know. We need to make sure that those are taken care of, and if, we're, if there's some kind of a, you know, physical ailment that's, you know, serious, we need to take care of that, you know, and we need to, but, but we also need to know that and remember that, that we have, we, we serve the great physician, you know. We have him on our side, and so, you know, to, to include prayer as part of our, you know, as part of our care plan, you know, treatment plan is, you know, we, we need to make sure that, that that prayer is in there and we have other people praying for us and, you know, and that kind of thing. So that's, you know, it's part of our, part of our treatment plan. And so, but we, we can't let those things ultimately, you know, completely sideline us either and, and, and incapacitate, incapacitate us, you know, to the point where we're like, we're like, we're just throwing the towel and say, yeah, skip it. This is not worth it you know, I, I, I'm done, you know, whatever. Um, and so we, we just need to um, be able to do everything we can to not let those things derail us, you know, because we know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So it shouldn't be a surprise when some of these things pop up, you know. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, clearly the enemy is trying to stop us. You know, I've, I've talked about, um, I've talked about Kairos, you know, before. I, I don't know if I've shared previously now that he's in the room I get to talk about him but um you know I mean he spent the first three weeks in the NICU and they gave him 25 percent chance to live when he was born you know I mean they didn't allow me to come into the to the uh delivery room you know and and he he was born and and I mean here here I am first time you know first 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 time dad you know first you know first child gets born and what do I see he comes out in this incubator thing I can't touch him you know I can't reach in and touch him or I can't I mean he's in this plexiglass thing and they're off they go so I'm for about 10 seconds here's your baby bye you know and you know and and he was there for for three weeks and he's he was he was 10 pounds, 9 ounces when he was born. And so, and so he, he had all these tubes in him and, and all these things. And, you know, and he kept pulling all these tubes out. So they put him on, you know, three different sedatives. So, you know, his eyes were like taped down. I mean, he looked, looked like Frankenstein, you know. And uh, I always say, you know, well, he, was, he was a big baby and he still is. Just kidding. <laughs> right? But here he is, you know, this big jolly green giant next to all these little preemies, you know, three, five pound little babies, you know, and he's, you know, here's this big, you know. But, but the enemy was trying to take him out from the very beginning, 
even before he was born, you know, when Jen was crossing the street and the Holy Spirit said stop and that car came through and would have hit him, you know, I mean, he'd been ta- he's been trying to take him out. So he's, you know, the enemy, we know the enemy is, com- is coming after us, you know. We, gotta th- we have a target on our back, but we don't have to fear that. We don't have to be afraid of that. And so, but not to be surprised when those things come, right? And we can't let those things derail us. You know, praise God we had people surrounding us in, during that time. I mean, we literally had people from the Dallas-Fort Worth area sending us letters and, and, and think we had no idea who they were, you know? I mean, we were students going to Bible college at the time, so, you know, I'm sure other students brought it to their churches where they were going and things like that, and so we would get letters and well wishes and things from people. We had no idea who they were, but you know, we, we knew. We had, like, literally the whole city of Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, you know, area, praying for them. Well, how much better is that than, you know, you know what I mean? So, praise God. So that was the first point. The second point was um, that we need to be willing to stand alone to defend what is ours, right? Even when, even when there's nobody else there. Right? And we praise God we had all those people to stand with us, right? Sometimes we feel like we're in it alone. We are never in it alone. We know that. We always have Lord, right? He's always, he never leaves us or forsake us. And sometimes we feel like, we can feel like, you know, we're in it by ourselves. We're in it alone and, you know, whatever. But we, even when we're, even when we're feeling that, we need to be able to say, I, I'm going to stand anyway. You know, when you've done all you can do to stand, stand therefore, right? And so to defend what is ours, um, I love what Jude, Jude 3 says. It says, um, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary, excuse me, to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend earnestly. To contend, that means to fight, right? That means to fight, to fight for the faith, earnestly, you know, to stand and to fight for the faith and to, to do it earnestly. And so, so those are just the, kind of the two two of the main points that we talked about last week and so if we start if we get back into second samuel which was our um our main text we were talking about second samuel 23 and talking about the mighty men of david um in verse we were talking about if you remember um the the shema shama i don't i think that's how you say it um i probably should look that up but i didn't so, but it talks about that there were, you know, the, these mighty men. And, uh, and after him was Shema in verse 11. This is Second uh, Samuel 23, uh, verse 11. And it says, after him was Shema, the son of Agi, Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. This is from the New King James Version. It says, so the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. And so, you know, when you think about that field, like what was so significant about this field that he defended it, you know? And so the, the, the point that, 
you know, we, we should not leave the small things unprotected in our lives, right? Don't let, don't leave the small things unprotected, kind of like Shema did. I mean, this was a small thing. It was a small field that probably was, for, you know, by all accounts, it was probably relatively insignificant to most people, you know, when they look at it and whatever. But, you know, there are those things in our lives that seem small, but if left unprotected, right, the enemy can come in and raise havoc and get a, get a kind of an entry point, right? He, the enemy goes after those easy areas, doesn't he? Those things that are like easy points, like, well, I get, well, I'll just be able to work my way in here. He goes after those easy areas. He's always looking for a way into our lives. He's always looking for a way into, to cause problems and, and, and havoc with us. And so, and often it's the small things that we leave unprotected that gives him the entrance. And then that can lead to, lead to bigger things, right? And so, I mean, I uh, could probably think of all kinds of terms. You'll probably get, have things that come to mind, right? That right away that come that, that we think of that. Well, I mean, you know, I you know, I can I can I can conjure up some things, but you you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, it's it's it, we we need to we need to be able like he did, pr- be able to protect those things, even though they seem maybe seem ins- insignificant. Um, you, th- you think of uh, Song of Solomon's two fifteen. Now we know the Song of Solomon's is the, you know is they call it the you know, the love chapter, you know, all about, you know, relationship, marriage relationship and things like that. But there's a part in Song of Solomon's where he kind of, where that, where the author kind of breaks from, from, you know, talking about his beloved and, and whatever. And he says in, in Song of Solomon 2.15, chapter 2, verse 15, he says, catch, catch up, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes, you know, and, and even though we know that that whole book is really, like you say, talking about the marriage relationship, we can still apply that to any area of life, right? It's the little foxes that come in and spoil the vine, and those are the ones that we need to watch for. Those are the ones we need to take note of and say, oh, I see this, you know, this is, a, this is an issue, and not leave that uh, untended or unprotected, and so... Um, so it's the little it's the little foxes that spoil the vines, and so um, you know. So the point that you know we can't leave those things just go because it's potential. It's a potential entry point for the enemy to come in. And Shema stood his ground in the middle of what he possessed. It was it was his particular field to defend. Right, that was his particular field to defend. He's like, no, I'm not letting the enemy. I'm not letting the enemy come in here and, and steal this. You know, as in, as insignificant as it might seem, I'm not going to let the enemy to come in and, and take this because it's important. It's an important point, and it could be a potentially a, a, an entry point for the enemy to come in and cause bigger things and bigger havoc and and launch bigger attacks. And so, it was his particular field to defend, and we, you know, we we are all called to a particular field to defend it. We all have our own field to defend. And what is it? What is that? Is our home, our family, you know, um, you know, our, you know, our church, our, you know, our community, you know, our workplace, you know, it, wherever it is, you know, maybe we have a, you know, maybe we have a ladies group 
you know, that we get together and, you know, and it, it, it's our, that's our field to defend. And when we're, gonna, we're not going to let any little thing, little fox come in and try to spoil the vine because, you know, because it's, it's, it's where God has called us to be. And so, so we defend that. And we, just like it says, in, like I said earlier in, in Jude, you know, that we, we, gotta, we contend earnestly for that. And so we can't, we can't, we cannot disregard it regardless of its size, regardless of how big it is. You know, sometimes we, you know, we get, as human beings, you know, we get caught up in the, in the, in the uh, um, spectacular, don't we? We get caught up in the, in the things that, you know, we see, oh, you know, I've heard people say, we had a friend that once told us, you know, well, I mean, if it's a big church, they must be doing everything right. You know, if it's a big church, they must, they must, I mean, they've clearly got something going on there. Yeah. Or not. I mean, <laughs> you know, just because it's something, just because it's big doesn't mean it's the, it's the right thing. Right. And we get, we, we get caught up in the spectacular and that's the world system, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, it's this, it's the, it's the, you know, it's the big things that we, we can kind of get, you know, well, I don't, I don't know, you know, brand new church, or I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, we run to those things for some reason, you know. And so, but the point is, is, you know, we can't, we can't disregard the things just because of the size, or disregard them because they look small in our lives, you know. It's the small things, the day-to-day things in our lives that seem like, oh, man, this is, this is mundane, this is, like, boring, this is... Why am I even doing this? Because this, I want to do something bigger, you know. We even get we even get programmed that way, don't we? You know, do bigger things for God and bigger and bigger and bigger, and we always get the bigger. We always, you know, and you know, we we get push that narrative a lot. And there's nothing wrong with doing you know bigger things for God and you know being whatever. But but He's not going to give us bigger if we're not tending the smaller first. Right? We gotta tend the smaller things and then, you know, he's like, Okay, now let's go, right? And so, um, you know, it's not uncommon for someone who's called to a p- particular field to become distracted by that, right? And they lo- they can lose focus. They might even wander, start to wander, right? Might even start to wander from that place and whatever and and kind of get to the outside of that territory. You know, I'm going back to what, what I'm, you know, referring to in the, in the text in, in Shema. He, didn't, he wasn't wandering. He, was, he knew where he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be, and he, that's where God called him, and he didn't wander around. He didn't go to the edge. He said he stood right in the middle of that field, you know. But sometimes we can lose focus, and we start to wander, and we start to get to the edges of where we're called, and, you know, maybe even sometimes can even drift into someone else's field that we were never called to serve. You know, I always say, you know, you need to be where God has called you to be. You know, whether it's wherever it is. If, you, if you're somewhere that God has not called you to be, right, you better get to where he's called you to be. <laughs> it's just that's where the, that's, cause that's where the safest place is, is where he's called you to be. Amen. And so we gotta be we gotta be careful not to not to allow our, ourselves to wander from that and defend the field that he gave us. 
leaving the door open to the enemy. If you look in Luke, Luke 11, chapter 11, verse 22, talking about, you know, be, you know, protecting your house, it says in Luke 11, 22, it says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He's talking about the enemy coming in. When we guard what we have in our lives, when we guard what God has called us to do, what, what the field he's called us to, the things that he's called us to be in our lives, when we guard those things fully armed, everything that we everything that is around us is at peace everything all of everything's at peace right and it's not just talking about material goods necessarily right it's talking about all those things the spiritual things in our lives those things that are that are right that are not necessarily tangible and so i mean when we were fully armed he guards his own he guards his own palace his goods are in peace and so that's a picture of, you know, what, what, we, what we look like as elite forces when we're defending our own field, the place that God has called us to be. And so, and just to kind of throw in a little Christmas twist in here, because it's the Christmas season, if you look in Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, um, Luke 2, verse 8, it says, talking about the, the shepherds, right? It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. That's the New King James. The King James Version says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Abiding, 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 abiding such a such a such a key word in you know in our lives for our for us as christians to abide it means you're standing in the middle of where you're supposed to be just like shema standing in the middle of that field defending what is god has called you to do right you're you're contending for the faith earnestly and can you imagine if if, if they weren't abiding in that field at the time that all this happened? Imagine if they were, if they were doing something else, you know, or if, you know, if they were not where they were called to be, or maybe, you know, I, I mean, I would say there would be a high probability that they would have missed God. You know, they would have missed the, and they wouldn't have been part of the Christmas story. Right? And there were the shepherds screwing around in the, can I say that in the church? They were messing around, you know, casting lots for somebody's garment. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. They were in the city, you know, you know toiling around, doing, you know, whatever. I, you know, probably would have never been written about. But there they were, abiding, minding their own business. Minding, well, actually, I would rather say minding God's business. Right? Because they were abiding in their field. They were doing what God had called them to do. 
And because of that, they're forever written about in the Christmas story. And they, they, that, that's what they were, you know, and they were a big part of that, you know. So I don't know about you, but we have shepherds in our nativity scene at home, right? But that's, the, you know, I mean, they were, they were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, and they didn't miss it. And so kind of the, the next point is, is that, you know, as we're talking about what it takes to be elite forces or mighty men, however you want to look at it, is that, we're, that we do the right things even when nobody is looking, right? They, that's, that's what these, these mighty men of David did. I mean, it says everyone even left, right? And they still did the right thing. There wasn't anybody else around. They could have just, they could have fled with everyone else and said, whoa, I'm, I'm by myself. I'm not going to do this and, you know, whatever. But no, they did the right thing even, nobody, even though nobody was there to, to give them praise, to pat them on the back, to say, good job, way to go. You did a good job, you know. So many times we get caught up in, and I, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but so many times we get caught up in wanting to, you know, have that praise. You know, we, I was having a conversation earlier this week, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's so true, you know, that we, um, we want to we wanna, we wanna feel important. We want to look valuable. We want to, you know, we want to get that praise, and it just feels good when everyone... You know, I just got a, I got a thing from work. Um, my, my boss kind of prompted it, but I, I've been working on a project at work, and, and, uh, and I, I just, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm just telling you the facts. But in this project, I, I helped identify some, you know, some needs that we had and whatever, and I saved us about $40,000 out of project. You know, so anybody that lives in Ramsey County, you're welcome. Um, but... But right, we, I, I, just by reusing some things, you know, like this is, this is stuff we can reuse. Let's do it, you know. So we saved about $40,000 on this project. And so my boss was like, you know, she talked to the guy that's the project manager and, and he wrote up a little thing and, you know, and sent this what they call high five award, you know, or whatever. And it, so it was this, you know, it was this, this thing that comes in the email and it's a high five award and, you know, hey, great job, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that was awesome. That was, you know, everybody likes a little, you know, encouragement and you know hey good job you did a good job or whatever but what if what if nobody was looking what if i didn't get that what if what if that didn't come you know do you are you still going to do the right thing are you still going to do it regardless of what kind of praise you get from someone else right and so we just, we just have to do the right things when even when nobody's looking you know it's it's called integrity right Integrity, having that integrity. And, you know, in integrity does not make room for compromise. Integrity does not make room for compromise. And so we're going to say, you know, regardless of what the result is, if, you know, I know that this is the right thing to do, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it no matter what result, uh, you know, comes in, in the form of, of praise or commendation or or whatever, but I just know that this is what God has told me to do, and so I'm going to do it, you know, right? And it's kind of, it's called the audience of one, right? We have an audience of one. Who are we trying to please, right? Do all things to him. Do it all, do it all for, you know, work, work unto the Lord. Do it all for him, regardless of 
what anyone else might say or do. And so, and I, I you know, I'm guilty as anyone. You know, you like, you just, it feels good to have somebody recognize you, you know. But at the end of the day, doesn't really matter, right? It matters if the Lord recognizes us. And the Lord says, you know, at the very end of it all, right? What? Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, you were faithful and a little, you know, now I give you much, you know. And so, and I talk about, you know, like about compromise, you know. If you remember when I mentioned, uh, this was earlier this year, I, and my wife, I was a little disturbed by something I saw. It was around Easter time. Um, a, a church, a very large church in the South had did an Easter program, and the pastor was, you know, was uh, said, you know, hey, we're going to do, we are going to do everything short of sin to try to draw people in. We're going to go right to the edge. We're just going to go right here, and we're going to do everything short of that or whatever. And I'm like, it just, ah, just didn't sit right. And it's like, you go to Thessalonians, First, first Thess- Thessalonians chapter 5, 21 through 22, and it says, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Even if it looks like sin. Even if it looks like evil, avoid it. Right? We shouldn't be coming right to the edge of sin just to, like, whatever. We should be, like, what about the truth? Why not just use this? And, you know, why not draw that? Why not use this to use the truth to draw people in? We don't need to be relevant and doing all the relevant things and compromising. And little, you know, it says a little, little here and a little there. And it's just, it's a little chipping away. Now, if we, you know, if we, you know, we're here, well, well, maybe just a little bit further. You know, maybe just a little bit further is okay, you know, and a little bit further, and that's that's, you know, that's where that's that's where we get to, right? We 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 have to avoid that at all costs, and so that's that integrity of 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 heart and of mind is I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to, you know, and and that might that might offend some people, you know, and and I, I'm not and my heart isn't to try to offend someone. You know, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna speak the truth in love, because it's the truth, and I love you, <laughs> right? And so, but I'm not gonna compromise my position because of that. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Draining the cross of its power. I'll, I'm going to look that up. I'll see what. It, I'll see if I can. I. But yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We we kind of we kind of start to mingle in with the little foxes, don't we? We we come them. Yeah. Eventually, we can let we can let them kind of come in, and they start to ruin that line. And the line gets blurry. Yeah, where do you stop? I mean, if you're right at, if you're right at the edge, you know, I, I had years ago, I had a, God had given me a vision, and, uh, and it, was, it was, I was standing right on the edge of a cliff, 
you know, and I'm, I'm just standing on the edge and I'm kind of white knuckling, just standing there, just like, ah, hope I don't fall, you know, hope I don't, hope I don't fall, because, you know, like, you know, the fall being, you know, that, that, that cliff of, of sin and that cliff of evil, and, you know, and I'm just like, I'm just holding on, you know, and whatever, and God's like, turn around, turn around, and so I turn around, and there's this huge, vast, like, solid rock with green, lush trees and grass and whatever, and he's like, he's now, look at, look at how, look at how big that is. He goes, that's, you don't need to stand on the edge. I'm, I'm this whole big rock that you have to wander and to, 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 to um, walk on and to, and to be free, to be, you know, to, to move around on. And, and it's full of life, and it's solid. He's like, you don't need to just stand on the cliff white-knuckling it, thinking, hoping you don't fall. He goes, go and enjoy my presence and everything that I've given you. I'm much bigger than what you're even giving yourself room to, to, to imagine. And I was like, well, that, you know, it's kind of freeing because it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I don't have to stand on the edge there and just hope that, you know, I hang on for dear life, you know, whatever. No, I've got that freedom to be able to move about on that solid rock and that there's, there's life and, and uh, you know, and he's got good things for us in that, right? And so, we, you know, it's, it's, we, we have to be able to be able to stay away from that and not compromise, you know, and you think about, um, you know, you think about that integrity and doing the right things when nobody's looking. I mean, David, you know, and we're talking about David's mighty men, but what about David himself? You know, he's in the field as a shepherd, you know, a young kid just tending his sheep and whatever. And what does it, what is it, what does it say that when, that when, that he did to protect his sheep? You know, he killed a lion and a bear. There wasn't anybody else out there at the time. Well, he's by himself probably. Brothers are off, you know, doing whatever, being wimps to the Philistines. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? But here he was. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, the, you know, whatever. But here's David just tending his sheep, just doing his thing, talking with God, having time with the Lord, you know, whatever, lion and bear coming both, and, and, and he defends the field that he's in. He defends what God has called him to do. And he kills the lion. He kills the bear with his own hand, bare hands, you know? And so, you know, he's a, that's a kind of a good example for us of, you know, what we do. We, you know, we needed to be able to defend that. And, and, and you know, even when, no one, even when no one's there to, to look and see. And then, um, and then lastly, um, we read, if we read in uh, David, this was, that was kind of all from the, the point of, of Shema. But if we, leave, if we read in... Um, Verse 13, this is 2 Samuel 23 now back in there. Um, 2 Samuel 23, verse 13. It goes on and it talks about the three, the three men of the 30, these three guys that we talked about. Um, Eliezer, um, Shema, and um, Josheb, Bashabeth. Anyway, it talks about these three men, and it says, Then the three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adlam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephraim. 
David was then in the stronghold, and, in, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the, the verse 16, so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Talks about, you know, it, it gives a picture of worshiping, worship to the king, right? This is another uh, point of the what it takes to be elite forces, we need to worship the king. You know, when we talk about David, you know, he, was, he longed for a refreshing, refreshing drink from the well of his hometown in Bethlehem. He was longing for a drink. Oh, you know, and he was longing, and he looked there, and he wanted this drink. And so against overwhelming obstacles, these three men, these three mighty men, broke through the enemy forces, broke through their camp and brought the water to David, the, the water that he was longing for. They, did, they, did, they, they weren't commanded to. He didn't command them to do this. You know, they just knew that he was longing for this drink and that he wanted this. And so, um, you know, they weren't commanded as, uh, to do it as a, 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 out of military duty or whatever. They just did it. They acted out of love for their king. Right? They acted out of love for their king. And so, you know, when we worship, it's not commanded as a duty. Right? God doesn't worship me or else. This is your, this is your duty. You know? If you don't do this, then all bets are off. You know? No, we do it out of love for our king. Right? We do it out of the... Uh, we, uh, it's, an, it's, an, it's an act of just love and adoration and, and appreciation and devotion to him. And, you know, it says it, it does, it is that act, it does cost us something, right? I mean, think of these guys. They were putting their lives on the line. They were putting, they, I mean, they broke through the camp of the Philistines at any moment. Could have been just, you know, taken out. But they didn't care. They trusted, they loved, they were devoted to their king at all costs, even their own lives, right? And they were like, we're, we're going to do this because we want to bless him. We want to bring him something that, is, that honors him, that honors his, you know, his kingship, that honors his position. And so when we bring worship to the Lord, right, we're, we're bringing honor to him. We're bringing devotion. We're saying, we trust you. We love you. We are offering this to you as, 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 a, as a sacrifice, an, uh, as an honor to you. And sometimes it costs us something, right? We look in Romans, um, Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Right? It's, 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 a, it's a sacrifice. You know? Think about the, you know, when we lay things down, we're, you know, we're laying, we're laying our life down. And we're saying, you know, I, I just, I, I lay it all down so that he can live through me. Right? We're saying, Lord, I, I don't value my life so much to hang on to all these things so that you can't live through me. I, I mean, my life is yours. So live through me and, and, and use me and, and be able to, you know, be an example to those around and a light to those around, right? And so, you know, that's, that, that, is, that, is our, that is our, we calls it a reasonable service, right? That's, that's the least we can do to honor the Lord, to honor our King, is to be able to, to worship Him. And that is something that these uh, elite forces, the mighty men of God, that's what they, that was their mindset. I don't care what, you know, this is, we, we know we're going into dangerous circumstances here, you know, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, be a dangerous thing, but we don't, we don't care. We want to bless our King. And so, and then it goes on and says, um, finally it says um, in verse 17 alright well actually go back to verse 16 um, in uh, 2 Samuel 23 verse 16 it says so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it, to Dave, took it and brought it to David nevertheless he would not drink it but poured it out to the Lord and he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. Well, that seems rude. Doesn't it? Well, they just went and risked their lives, and then David goes, eh, Yeah, you know, whatever. Well, thanks a lot, David. You know? You know, but... David saw this as such a significant act of honor and worship or whatever. He took it and poured it out to the Lord. It was an act of worship on his part to the Lord and said, I can't do this. this I'm not worthy to receive this. What they did for me was like, I can't receive this. I'm not worthy to be, to, that. no, this is not, this is not right for me to receive this. Only, this is really for the Lord to receive. And so he poured it out to the Lord and said, Lord, this is for you. These men, they, they shouldn't be devoted to me. They should be devoted to you. And so he poured it out to the Lord as, a, as, a, as an act of worship on his part. Right? And then said, no, this is for you, God. You know, this shouldn't be for me. And so it was... It was, you know, and David's integrity of, of heart and, and, and simply just said, nope, <laughs> I can't receive this. And so it wasn't, an, it wasn't something that was rude. It was just, it was, a, it was a further act of worship and it was a further act of, of honoring the one true God. You know, because David knew. He knew who he served. He knew who gave him the, the authority and the power and the, and the rights to, 
you know, all these things. And so he wasn't going, he didn't feel like he was the one to accept it. And so, so he poured it out to the Lord and said, you, you receive it. Um, and so, so I thought I was, you know, kind of one of the, you know, it's one of those things that you you look at it and you go at first, for, at first sight, you're like, boy, that doesn't seem right. But then when you really dig into it and you start to think about it and whatever, it's, it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Worship. And so, so those are, those are some of the other, uh, other points just that, you know, that we don't leave, we don't leave our, the small things unprotected. You know, we do, we do the right things even when nobody is looking and we worship the king. Those are what other, you know, some other points that, you know, from this story that what it takes to be elite forces, what, what, it, be, what, it, what it takes to be called mighty men and women of God, right? And so praise God for that. And, and, uh, and he does, he calls, us, he calls us those things when we step into that field that he's called us to protect whatever wherever that is and whatever that is and so praise God amen